here tomorrow night. Um, we would love to encourage you. We have an artist that works specifically with us in the chapel, and she has done incredible work, and it's hanging all around. If you have a minute, come and check that out. I think you will really be impressed with the incredible gift that she has, that she's blessed us with. And I want to remind you, tomorrow night at 7 p.m., um, ASWU is putting up a program called Jesus the Christ and Donald Trump. It is meant to be a time for um, people across the spectrum to come and share stories and listen to each other. So we invite you to come at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. As we prepare our hearts for worship this morning, I am reminded that we come together for worship to focus our attention on God and to take a break from how much time we spend thinking about ourselves. Um, when Jesus did his Sermon on the Mount, he advised the disciples and so many about how we are to live our lives. And he, he said this, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God, but just to be there simply and honestly. And then the focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. But don't fall into that nonsense. This is your father in heaven that you're dealing with. And he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. And this is where Jesus taught all of his father, all of the disciples, how to pray. So in, I'd like to invite all of us this morning to do the Lord's Prayer together. If you don't know it, it'll be up here on the screen. But as a moment to shift our focus off ourselves and onto God, recognizing that God knows better than we do what we need, let us pray the prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And St. Patrick's Day, 2005, was a special day for me. Not because... <laughs> hey, mister. <laughs> That's River. He's wonderful. So St. Patrick's Day, 2005, was a special day for me. It was a special day not because I'm full-blooded Irish. I might have some Irish. Not because I really like green, although I don't mind green. But it was a special day because that was the day that I, Janelle and I got engaged. And, you know, it would, many times last week, how like, finding the one can become this idol. And, and, and just let's remember, you know, marriage isn't the answer to all our problems. And, and marriage isn't, isn't something that God calls all of us to. But it is a gift from God and one that, that I have received with thanksgiving. And was so excited that day that, that felt like we get to, you know, start this journey. And, and so I think I have a picture of that morning as we're getting ready to go. <laughs> it's a good day. Got... got some of you don't know that I can grow a nice curly afro if I let it go. It gets bigger than that. But 
I got the ring, I got the ring in my hand, and we had a day, it's a great day, I, I'll spare you the details of kind of recapping some of the highlights and, and even some of the not as, as stunning uh, highlight lowlights of our relationship, including the fact that our first date was at Denny's. Mm. <laughs> at least you can go up, oh, you can only go up from there, right? So all that, at the end of, at the, end of the day, um, after that, that, that ring burned a hole in my pocket all day long, I, I, I at the, after this whole fun day, I get down on one knee, and, and in front of Janelle, I say, hey, will you marry me? And that moment when I said that to her, that was my saying, yes. Yes, I am ready. I am in for this life of covenant relationship I'm in for being a family with you. I'm in with you. Yes is my word to you. And fortunately for me, she didn't say, well, let me think about it. I'll get back to you tomorrow. (laughs) She responded with her own, yes. Yes, me too. I'm in. I'm in for that. Wonderful day. And we're going to come back to that that idea as we we look at our, our text today. Remember that right now we're going through this series on relationships with Jesus in the Gospel of Luke as we see how Jesus interacts with people and, and is bringing about and pointing to the year of the Lord's favor that he's bringing. We're bringing about the, the, the good news to the poor and release for the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, freedom for the prisoners. This is the year of the Lord's favor where the, where the least become the greatest. The, the, there's this great reversal where those who are far away come near and Jesus, as he goes and reaches them, and all people are invited to, to, to taste and see the goodness of the year of the Lord's favor together. This is what Jesus is doing. We've seen it in all kinds of different ways. Last week, in, in Jesus' interactions with John the Baptist, in this invitation to look to Jesus as the one, the only one who can sustain us and fulfill us, even in the midst of our doubts. And this week, we come to the end, skip forward to almost the end of, of the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 23 today, in, the, in this kind of crazy series of events packed into the, the end of the Gospels, we see Jesus has just been praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, his final prayer with his disciples. And then uh, he's uh, arrested when one of his disciples, Judas, comes with him and, and betrays him, arrested by these Jewish leaders and the, the soldiers. They take him off to this false trial and falsely accuse him. Then he's dragged to Pilate, where he's falsely accused there, sent to Herod, and back to Pilate, where finally Pilate has him flogged and, and crucified and give, as he gives in to the crowd's demands. And that's where we pick it up today in Luke chapter 23. I like it if you would, we could read it together, and it'll be up on the screen, and we'll read, read together Luke chapter 23, 32 through 43. Oh, never mind. It won't be on the screen. I'll read it. And that's great. (laughs) We didn't really need it, Brandon. No problem. Listen. Two others also, who were criminals, were led away with them, led away to be put to death with Jesus. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, 
this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanging there kept deriding him and said, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. This is God's word for us today. So we see this story. Let's see it through the lens of of the criminal, these criminals. Here they are, these two criminals who have been who have been condemned to be publicly executed. They, they hang them on the cross and outside the city so that everyone else who sees them will know this is what happens when you rebel against Rome. This is your punishment. Don't do it. And so these two, they, they know they've done something wrong, something worthy of condemnation, and they're going to their death. And then they're with this other person, Jesus, who's getting different treatment. Different treatment. And, 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 and not only different treatment, he's acting differently. The first thing they might notice, as Jesus is being physically punished, nails into his hands, his wrists, nails into his feet, he prays this prayer, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Who prays that kind of prayer when people are murdering him? Who does that? These criminals watch Jesus say this. And then they see these people all around the crowds making fun of Jesus. Oh, if you're really the Messiah, the King, the Chosen One, the chosen one, code for the, the, the anointed one, the king who's going to come back to Israel and set things to rights, be the king over these people. Oh, then why don't you save yourself? The soldiers, oh, you're the king. Why don't you do something about it? They see this mocking. And in Matthew's account of this, we, we hear him say that actually both of the criminals joined in the mocking at first. They joined in the, the stream. Everyone's saying, oh, a king, huh? Look like a king to me hanging on a cross. But see, you and I know there's something bigger going on here than just another common criminal dying, right? There's something happening here that's more than that. And, and the Gospels uh, don't always give us the full explanation, right? We, so we, turn, we often can turn to, to other writings in the New Testament to help us understand what's happening on the cross. And the, the Bible is not super clear. There's not one explanation. But Colossians 2 for this morning is going to give us a good glimpse. What's happening here? In Colossians chapter 2... We hear this, for in Jesus the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness in him who is the head over every ruler and authority. In him you are also circumcised with a spiritual circumcision by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ. When you are buried with him in baptism, you are also raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him when he forgave all our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with his legal demands. He set this aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public example, a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in the cross. There's so much we could say here about the cross, but what's happening in the cross? What's happening between these two thieves as Jesus hangs there with a sign over him that says, the king of the Jews, maybe in a few different languages? What's happening there? The first thing we see happening is God 
the eternal God, the Son, eternal Son of God, has taken on true flesh, real human, real human flesh. The, the deity, the fullness of deity dwells bodily. God's become a person, a real person. And in that, he's taken now on this cross, he's bearing our sin and our guilt, taking the sting of death and evil on himself in his death and rendering it powerless in his resurrection. Jesus, as the eternal son, has dived down into the brokenness of humanity, the brokenness of sin and rebellion, the brokenness of rejection of God, who is the source of all life and goodness, rejection of God, who is the source of our being, and so we are cut off and lost and shriveling up. Jesus has jumped into that, walked through this life in that brokenness, and now in his death is dying the death for us to rise up because the death bonds, sin and evil and condemnation, it couldn't hold him down, the one who's the author of life and goodness and wholeness and beauty. And he bursts forth from the grave and the resurrection to restore us to communion with God, to life, to full life and goodness and beauty, restore us to the year of the Lord's favor. This is all happening as Jesus hangs on the cross between two common criminals. This is happening. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says beautiful words that in Jesus, Every one of God's promises is yes. For this reason is through him that we say amen to the glory of God. If you ever wonder, what's God like? What's God's attitude towards me like? What is God thinking towards me? You wonder, what is God's disposition? God's disposition is Jesus on the cross hanging there saying yes. Is God really for me? Is God really saying yes to me? You look at that cross and you're reminded, Jesus is saying yes to you. In his death hanging there for you and for me, Jesus is saying yes. All of God's promises, God's promises to Adam and Eve and to Noah, this covenant love, to Abram to make a family of his out of all the nations, God's promises in Jesus are yes. So if you ever wonder, there's an objective reality, the death of Jesus hanging there and then the subsequent resurrection and ascension, God's answer and word to us is Yes. Yes. I'm in for a life of covenant relationship with you. I'm in. This is God's word to us and Jesus as he hangs on that cross. And you know what happens when someone drops on a knee before you? It demands something of us. That day when I did before Janelle, it demanded of her something. And her, her, what was demanded of her was a response. I said yes to her, and she said yes, amen. And so Paul says, it's through him, as he says yes to us, that we say amen. We say yes back to God's yes to us in Jesus. And so back to the criminals. These criminals hanging on the cross there, as Jesus, the Messiah, even though he's being mocked for it, actually it's true, hangs there, and they have to respond to him as he says yes to them in his death on their behalf and in their place. In their place, next to them, he's dying in their place, even as they die. And so the first one looks at Jesus and just goes with the flow, mocks along with the crowds and the soldiers and Pilate. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. 
But the other one, the other one, something happens. He wakes up. He sees Jesus for who he really is. He sees Jesus. Maybe it's in his words of, Father, forgive me. Maybe it's in, his, maybe it's in the way he's, he, he, these people are saying these words and you see that Jesus restrains his power and doesn't, doesn't call down enemies and call down revenge on these, these enemies of his. He wants to be a part of a kingdom like that, a kingdom of loving power that Jesus is showing him. And so, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus, in the great, one of the great acts of grace, of showing us God's unmerited favor towards us, this man has done nothing to deserve Jesus' love, nothing at all. And he looks at him and says, today you'll be with me in paradise. God's grace freely given to this man as he responds to Jesus' yes by saying yes. And Jesus promises him this hope, this peace in paradise. That in that time, that was probably understood as a place of death, kind of awaiting the resurrection, but peace forever with Jesus as he rises with him. This is the gift that God is, that Jesus is giving this man as he responds. Jesus dies first, and this criminal watches as he dies, and then Jesus follows him in peace into paradise. The other criminal? What happened to him? We don't know. We can hope. We can always hope because God's answer to him is yes in Jesus, and we can hope that he did say yes back. Luke has this, has this tendency to leave us hanging. We're not sure what happens to the elder brother in the story of the prodigal son, right? Does he come back in to the father's party or not? We're not sure what happens to the rich ruler. We're not sure what happens to this, this criminal. We hope, we hold out hope that he heard God's yes in Jesus and said yes in return. In Jesus, hanging on that cross, God speaks his yes to us. And now he demands from us a response, a response, a response of faith and trust in Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the King, a response in faith, but then that's, that's actualized in an event. And with, with me and Janelle, we got married, when we, we, we got engaged about a few months later, we had a wedding. And on that day, before God and before our, our community, we made a covenant to each other and said, I'm in. I'm in for life with you. I'm in for this covenant life with you. I'm in for a new family with you. And it was a beautiful, exciting, celebratory day. That's, in our Christian life, our baptism. Our baptism is the day when we put the stamp on it. We put the date down. I know the date. May 21st, 2005 is when, I, when I, we were married. Uh, March, it was March uh, 1995 when I was baptized. The day we put on this calendar, I know I am in. God's yes to me has been heard and received, and I responded with a yes back. Baptism is when we receive God's gracious initiative and say, yes, I'm in with this family. I'm in. It's been a real privilege this, uh, this, this semester. It's, I, it's not, I don't know exactly why, but it's really fun, and I'm sure there are more, but there have been three students from Whitworth Community who've been involved in campus ministry who have been baptized at their local churches this semester. And it's so fun to celebrate those and to, and to be, be able to be a part of those. And just a uh, weekend before last, Duke Degatano was baptized, was, it, was pastor down from Bend. 
and we were up at the river, and, and there's Duke coming out of the water that baptism day. God said yes to him in Jesus, and Duke said yes, I'm in. And that baptism day, as he went in that water and came back out like we saw in Colossians, he was dead, all buried with Jesus, and raised this new life, the newness of life, the freedom, the goodness, the year of the Lord's favor, and communion with God, and then sent off to be God's covenant people in this world, participating in his good work. This is the response of God's yes and our yes back. And Duke did it that day. Uh, Tyler did it. Uh, Katie did it this fall. Maybe others here. It doesn't matter if you're baptized as a baby or you're baptized as an adult or many other times to come. When you're baptized as a baby, that just means that your parents on your behalf said yes. And when you get there, you own that yes. Now this is my yes. I'm now responding to Jesus' yes for me with my own. Were you baptized older? It's the same thing. The point is, you can point to an objective reality, a day when you say, this is the day that I made my yes to back to God's yes to me in Jesus. And even our yes back is empowered by, by God's grace and his spirit. Our yes back to God in response to his gracious love it's something that happens once, like in the baptism, in our baptisms. But it's also something that happens every day. Every day we wake up and say, Jesus, you're Lord. I'm yours. I'm your child. I'm in this covenant. I'm with you. Let's do it. Every day we say that. Every day we say yes back to God's yes to us. Every day God's, yes, God's answer to us is yes, I forgive you. Yes, I redeem you. Yes, you're mine. Yes, today you'll be with me in paradise. Yes. Band, you can come on up. God's yes to us and Jesus demands a response. And our response to him joyfully, joyfully giving ourselves, saying, I'm in. I'm in, Lord. As we sing these last two songs, let's do that together. Let's say it. Say it in our word and hearts and our spirits. I'm in. Let's do it.